Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. <laughs> oh my, what's going on? This podcast what the, oh is my God. informational purposes Oh, lordy, lord. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Look what happened. Usually it's me when I forget to put, you know, unmute. And he's like, oh, God, these boomers. I can't deal with them. I just can't deal with them. This is how millennials talk when boomers aren't around. I just don't know what to do. And now look what happened. What goes around comes around. Oh, boy, off to a rough start this way. I forgot to hit go live. All right. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, April 27th. Is just moments away. But before we do this, we need to thank our sponsors, sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors, as well as Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what to smoke, what? <laughs> How to think politically with columns like Ben Jarofsky and Maya Duke Masava and so much more. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com, subscribe and help out the Ben Jarofsky show, ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J O R A V as in victory, S K Y. There, not only will you find our endless archive of episodes, are we to th- are we to one thousand episodes, Ben? Two away. Two t- today will be nine nine nine, and tomorrow one thousand. You hear that, people? So if we don't just <laughs> botch everything in the next two days, we will be at one thousand shows. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> All right, and also become a binhead, chicagoreader.com slash Jarovsky, uh, and there you can learn how to be a binhead. It's a three-tier system. You can be in the alley, the avenue, or the boulevard. Find out more, chicagoreader.com slash Jarovsky. The Ben Jarovsky Show starts now. It is Tuesday, April 27th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, SEIU Healthcare's Jackie Algy, a mystery guest, and Martha Shockey. Now your host. Oh, it's no mystery. He's here every day. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Unfair Maps Tuesday, and here's why. Great weekend. You have a good weekend, D? Yes, I did. It was a great weekend. That's he got up early, ladies and gentlemen. Got up early at the crack of dawn and went for a bike ride today. He's looking very fit and fiddle. I woke up at nine, but sure. (laughs) Well, that's early for me. I, on the other hand, was out really late last night. So, you know, I'm not fit and I'm not a fiddle. Anyway, what did I do this weekend? Big on Sunday, I watched the Oscars. Very disappointed. The injustice continues. 
You know, an Oscar does not pass with it without me railing against some injustice. So first of all, I will count the injustices. Number one, the award for best actor should not, not, I repeat, have gone to Anthony Hopkins. It should have gone to, as everyone knows, Chadwick Boseman. We all know that. And the award for best actress should not, not, I repeat, have gone to Frances McDormand. It should have gone to Viola Davis. We all know that too. And the award for best supporting actor should not have gone to Daniel Kaluuya. It should have gone to Lakeith Stanfield. We all know that as well. That brought on a really interesting debate last night at bowling. Uh, Kalula played Fred Hampton in the movie Judas and the Black Messiah. And Lakeith Stanfield played O'Neill, who was the turncoat, the rat, the snitch. And so last night at bowling, some of my bowling teammates were saying, after I expressed the injustice that Lakeith Stanfield didn't win, they go, Ben, you cannot give the award to the guy who was the rat. you got to give the award to the revolutionary. I'm like... Guys, it's not a popularity contest. It's not the high school cafeteria, okay? I know you like Fred Hampton better than the guy who ratted on him, but this is about giving an award to the best actor. Come on. And, of course, the award for best picture should not have gone to Nomadland. It should have gone to Minari. Basically, Oscars, you messed everything up. Other than that, great show. I love Glenn Close. Turned out that was rehearsed. Okay, so here's how it went down. Questlove, who was the DJ, played a song to butt from the 80s, and they asked Glenn Close, who is of my generation, about the song, and all of a sudden she knew everything. It was an unbelievable recitation. And I'm telling you, man, as a baby boomer, I didn't know anything about it. I mean, I wasn't paying attention to music in the 80s. She's like, oh, yes, that's EQ from the movie School Days. They didn't get the Oscar because it was never nominated and shame on the Academy. And then she gets up and dances the butt. It's the highlight of the show. And now it turns out the whole thing was rehearsed. They fed her the lines. She didn't know any more about the butt than I did. Showbiz, ladies and gentlemen, it's just showbiz. Anyway, I woke up to discover the rosy glow of stardom had faded. We're back in the real world, ladies and gentlemen. Doggy, dog, catty, dog, doggy, cats, world of politics. The census numbers came out. The picture's grim for Democrats, and it's good news for Republicans. Now go live to hear Mitch McConnell's reaction to the census. <laughs> That's the sinister cackle of evil men up to no good. The headline in the New York Times tells it all. U.S. population growth second slowest on record. Political map will shift. Immigration lags as birth rates declined because they shut down the border, close off the immigration. So, of course, population falls. Okay, explanation time, ladies and gentlemen. Every 10 years, we have a census, meaning every 10 years, we count the people who live in the United States and where they live. And after that census, we, we, we redraw the political maps. Why? Because one man, one vote is a sacred principle in our system. No one state. No one district can have any more representation than any other state or district, relatively speaking. Except, of course, when we elect a president. In that case, the small Republican states get more representation than the big Democratic states, except for Washington, D.C., which gets no representation at all because it's not a state. But it's just a coincidence that Washington has a majority of black people. Got that? Just a coincidence. Race has nothing to do with it. Where was I? Oh, yes. Republicans will have the advantage when it comes to allocating more congressmen after the census. Why? We've explained this before. I'll explain it again. If more people move to Texas so that gain seats, that doesn't necessarily mean Republicans will have an advantage because the new people may be Democrats. For all we know, they may be hipsters from the Bay Area in San Francisco, or they may be black people re-migrating to the South, as Charles Blow has suggested in his new book. That's true. 
But the people drawing the maps in Texas are Republicans, and they will move heaven and earth to guarantee that the maps they draw will benefit their party by packing Democrats into supermajority Democratic districts. And if they have to squeeze every hipster migrating from the Bay Area into Austin, Texas, then damn it, that's what they'll do. Meanwhile, they'll cleverly disperse MAGA people throughout the state to maximize their power. And they will do the same thing in Florida and North Carolina, which also experience growth in population and which will also get more congressional seats. And that's why the evil and sinister cackle of Mitch McConnell continues. (laughs) When they're done, they will have a greater chance to take control of Congress, even though more and more people are voting Democratic. They will have a better chance to enact legislation that guts unions, limits the minimum wage, gives tax breaks to the wealthy, pushes back environmental protections, limits rights to choice, et cetera, and so forth. In short, they will, through gerrymandering, limit the will and the power, and they will win even though they lost at the ballot box. What we need is a national fair map bill that guarantees fair mapping in every state of the land. But of course, Republicans won't tolerate that. Instead, what we'll have in state by state is fair mapping crusades in states where Democrats are in charge. And that's why Republicans, Illinois, which is controlled again by Democrats, will use their power to beg and plead for fair maps that limit Democratic power and give them more of a say in the state Illinois politics. And a few, I'm sad to say, very idealistic and easily fooled good government types will say, yes, we need that. And I'll say, no, Democrats don't fall for it. No fair map in Illinois until they have one in Texas, Wisconsin, Michigan, North Carolina, Florida. Democrats, Democrats, Democrats. Why do you have to be so gullible all the time? You hear that sound in the distance? It's the sinister cackle of evil man snatching back your democracy. Don't let them get away with it. We got a great show today, everybody. Jackie Algae. Yes, the great Jackie Algae from SEIU Healthcare. SEIU Healthcare is one of the sponsors of our show. So we're going to be very respectful to Jackie Algae. Actually, I'd be very respectful to her anyway. And she's bringing a mystery guest. (laughs) Did you say a mystery guest? Yes. It's a mystery guest. I know the guest's name, but it's a mystery to our listeners. They will find out in a little while. Uh, And then uh, in the second part of the show, we will have uh, Martha Shockey from Indivisible in Georgia, uh, activist who's been uh, leading the good fight, waging the good fight for a long, long time. An old friend and ally of uh, Congressman John Lewis. And uh, I urge every gullible Democrat in the state of Illinois to listen very carefully to not only Jackie uh, and our mystery guest, but also to Martha Shockey from Georgia, because if you want to know what de- what Republicans do when they have legislative power to undo any remote semblance of fairness in a map, then you got to hear the story that's coming out of Georgia. So uh, Martha Shockey will be joining us in the second half of the show. Uh, but first, we're going to bring on Jackie Algie and our mystery guest after we take this brief break. Now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at ChicagoReader.com. 
things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader Stay Home Puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly newspaper since 1971. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from his attic. I was at bowling last night, and uh, it was an ungodly late hour. It's closing in on midnight, and I got a text from my good friend Jackie Algy saying, Could she come on the show? She has important news. My first thought was, what is Jackie Algy doing up at this ungodly late hour? I finally found someone who has weirder sleeping patterns than I do. Uh, <laughs> so I said, absolutely. Uh, Jackie Algy, a very good friend of the show from SEIU Healthcare. <laughs> and Jackie, welcome back to the show. And you have a mystery guest. Why don't you uh, take an opportunity to introduce this distinguished guest? <laughs> Thank Ben. You know, it's always great to see you and to spend time with you, man, because you stand in your truth and the truth that all of us should know. And uh, that is, you know, just how to get justice. Justice is the key. That is the word of the day, justice for all, or phrase of the day. And so with that, I want to introduce proudly uh, Pastor William Fleshman uh, from Abundant Life uh, out in Dalton. And uh, he's just an amazing, amazing man, uh, faith leader. And he's one of those rebels for the cause as well. So, uh, Pastor Fletcher, you want to please introduce yourself and then tell them why you're here. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, uh, Jackie, for that introduction. And Ben, thank you so much, of course, for uh, having us on the show today. Um, my name is, again, Pastor William Fleshman. I am the Executive uh, Director of Outreach for Southland Ministerial Health Network. And uh, what, we, what we're here to discuss today is, I mean, pretty much everybody, I hope everybody knows about the uh, uh, National uh, John Lewis Day of Action. Uh, and many of us may remember back on March 7th, 1965, John Lewis said he gave a little blood on that bridge in Selma, Alabama, uh, mm-hmm. for the right to vote. Mm-hmm. and that he wasn't going to do anything to allow someone to take that right away from him. Mm-hmm. And so uh, on uh, May 8th, which again is the National uh, Day of John Lewis National Day of Action, uh, we're going to be hosting some events. And, and these events are, are really based around uh, the voters' uh, the, the, the voters' rights. I'm sorry, the Voting Rights Act. And, and these events are based around that, which really, Jackie, is based around the 15th Amendment which That's right. promised us, which gave us a promise that that we wouldn't have any issues or discrimination as people of color when voting was concerned. And so on, and so on May 8th, we're going to be hosting some events. Um, I want to just give you, first of all, just kind of give you the route, the plan of what we're doing. Uh, we're going to start at uh, 2 p.m. The event starts at 1, but we're going to start our votercade at 2 p.m. It's going to be at the U.S. Bank Building which is located at 1350 Sibley Boulevard. And, and we'll be doing a voter cave. We're going to make a lot of noise. Uh, we want <laughs> horns going. We want people walking up and down the street. I mean, because this is, this, this is huge. Uh, I mean, we, we, we cannot allow uh, voters to be alienated by increased barriers. And that's what this will do. If, 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 if this doesn't pass, then our, our voters will be, they'll be 
you know, uh, increased barriers and, 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 and continued uh, voter suppression. So on that day, we're going to have a votercade from 1350 Sibley Boulevard. And we're going to go to what we're calling a voters village, which would be Abundant Living Christian Center, which is located at 14540 Lincoln Avenue. And so we're going to have all kinds of events set up that day. We're going to have um, COVID testing. We'll have COVID vaccination. There'll be information and resources for all the people that come out and be a part of this event. Um, There'll also be guest speakers uh, that will be there. I'm going to be one of one of the speakers. I'll, I'll speak a little more in detail about uh, uh, the, the uh, Voters uh, uh, Rights Act and, and, and just give a little more detail and history about it. Uh, and, and then we'll also have, we're going to have vendors. We're, we're asking vendors from the community uh, to come out and be a part of this event. Ben, we want to make this event so large, man. We, we want this this event uh, to go worldwide. Right now, there's about 106 events happening throughout uh, the country that will be happening at the same time. Uh, so we really want this thing, man, to, to just go go crazy. We want everybody getting in and, and supporting. Yeah. Uh, before I move to, to Jackie, let me just say uh, there's two very important bills uh, mm-hmm. that the House and the Senate are considering right now. Yes. And uh, one is named for John Lewis. And uh, I'm going to ask Jackie to talk a little bit about John Lewis and his significance. But just one bill, a Voting Rights Act bill, which would undo the damage or yes. attempt to undo the damage created by a Supreme Court ruling. Supreme Court justices matter, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, 2013 Holder versus Shelby County. Yes. And that basically eradicated the uh, requirement that states with uh, wretched histories of racial discrimination, uh, Pastor Fleshman, would no longer yes. need to get uh, federal approval before they enacted uh, voting laws that were essentially intended to discourage and deter black people from voting. Let's just be honest what it's all yes. about. Yes. Uh, and so that's one of the bills. It's going to be very tough to get that one through the Senate. Uh, and then the other bill would just be more proactive, H.R. 1, on terms of voting rights uh, and, and now allowing people on a federal level to vote early, uh, to um, to register without uh, IDs, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, so so these are the legislation that uh, Pastor Fleshman and Jackie Algie will be championing uh, on May 8th. Jackie, talk a little bit about the legacy of the late, great Congressman John Lewis. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) I I truly don't have enough time. But what I will say is that he was an incredible civil rights leader who really, when you talk about giving your life for a cause, he did just that so many times that his life was threatened. He was beaten. You've seen pictures uh, of what happened to him at the uh, Pettus Bridge and other places. He 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 was someone who, when you talk about when when people say you walk the walk and talk the talk, he did just that. Uh, when he you hear uh, his his quote, which I love, get into some good trouble. He meant just that. He had no reservation about standing up to anyone. And had it not been for him and his insistence and push, we might not have had that national day of, of, um, of uh, the, the, the meeting on the mall when Dr. King spoke because um, uh, John Lewis had already pushed, pushed hard and demanded that voting rights 
uh, the voting rights bill happened. So this might not have happened had we not had a John Lewis that insisted that did blood, sweat and tears literally to make sure that we had that right. So um, he, um, you know, I I had the fortune of one time uh, he and I had been at a conference, right? And everybody was just trying to get around and get up to him, of course, because why wouldn't you? I was one of those people. Couldn't get up to him, right? Because everybody kept beating me to the punch. And we happened to end up in the airport, Atlanta, Hartsville Airport, at the same time in the same space. Man, and you know, you know, Ben, you know, I don't I don't shy away from talking about anything to anybody, right? I got tongue tied. I was just amazed (laughs) that I was in his presence. And he was so gracious and kind. And we had a moment, you know, where we talked about why we were there. You know, it just brings me to tears because it, it, it was just one of those times when you say, oh, so this is why I do this every day, right? Mm-hmm. This is really why I do this every day. Well, uh, I'm going to piggyback in that and ask uh, Pastor F- uh, Fleshman this question because I was yes. listening uh, to Jackie Algie as you're talking about uh, John Lewis, and I never had the opportunity to meet him, but he is, yes, as Jackie said, for people of my generation, he's this legendary, iconic figure, uh, Pastor uh, Fleshman, who was on the bridge, and this, the Alabama State Troopers whacked him in the head with their uh, batons and billy clubs, what have you. Uh, then he later on, uh, later became a congressman from a district in Atlanta, and he was this great symbolic figure that united uh, Democrats uh, in Washington and put Republicans on a defensive because mm-hmm. uh, it's like, well, here's, you don't want to insult this iconic figure in American history by enacting uh, legislation that is counter to everything he stood for, Pastor Fleshman. But on the other hand, if we want to hold on to power, we got to pass legislation that's counter to everything he stood for. And now that he's gone, you hear Republicans and uh, saying things like, well, that's the old days. Yeah. Right. Power was right. gone. We don't right. have to worry about that anymore. Come on, Ben, get modern and hip and cool. It's now, it's a, it's a relic of the past. Pastor Fleshman, talk about that a little bit. Is it in your mind, a relic of the past, the Jim Crow era? Go ahead. Uh, no, sir. I think it, that it is uh, as present as it has ever been. Um, and, and when you talk about voter suppression, when you talk about uh, racial discrimination, I think it is as prevalent as it has ever been. And, and I think that, uh, the legacy of John Lewis, though he may be gone and, and, and you, you know, Republicans or whomever uh, may be able to feel a little relaxed. Um, I, I think that this national day uh, prayerfully uh, will charge us and motivate us to get us really back into the fight, Ben, because mm-hmm. this, it is, I mean, it's, it's so prevalent now. I believe it's more prevalent uh, than it ever has been. And, and if we're going to uh, make a difference, uh, I would hope, well, first of all, I would hope that that no representative would try and be the filibuster on this thing. Who wants to be known as the filibuster, you, you know, uh, uh, against the, the Voting Rights Act? I mean, that that's like going against uh, uh, apple pie. And and uh, I mean, you know, all every, all things that are American uh, at this point. But 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 what I think it really takes is at this point, Ben, is some re-education. Uh, 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 for people to know what happened. It's generations that, that have no idea mm-hmm. who John Lewis even was or what he stood That's for right. or even what, what voter suppression really is. And yeah. so I think it's, it's our responsibility 
uh, to share what is really prevalent and what is going on now in order to make a difference uh, with where we're going to take this thing starting on May 8th. And, and, and I believe it'll go even further, but, but Ben, no, it's more prevalent now and we must stay the course and be even more diligent than we've ever been before. Uh, because it's, 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 it's as if, you know, nobody cares, nobody's paying attention and things can happen if we allow them to, but we're not going to allow them to happen. Jackie, I'm going to, uh, I'll go on another one of my uh, soapboxes here, but then I'll kick it to you. But I'm going to quote uh, Reverend Jesse Lewis Jackson. Okay. And he said this, uh, I think he said it in 1988 when he was running for president. And he said he was trying to explain to his white political allies why it was so important that we protect the rights black people to vote. And he was doing it in a very pragmatic, practical way, which really resonated with me, Jackie Algie. Mm-hmm. He said, white liberals, in those days they were called liberals. Now, <laughs> whatever. White liberals, when black people vote, you're going to get environmental protection. Mm-hmm. You're going to get right to choose. Mm-hmm. You're going to get like good budget habits. Mm-hmm. from our legislators all the things you're going to get union rights mm-hmm. all the things that you say you want mm-hmm. you're going to get when black people vote because guess what they tend to vote liberal yes. and right. it's just such a practical I mean I was like that's why he's Jesse Jackson I'm just some reporter right. you know right. take, it, take it away Jackie and talk a little bit more about that go ahead yeah and, and you're absolutely right I mean we saw that in this most recent election right Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and President Biden, uh, he, he knows very well, he knows full well why he's in office today. Because you had thousands, I don't know the, the exact number, of black voters who came out, started with Georgia, that stood in the rain and the sun and the cold <laughs> and all of that just to make sure that they cast their vote. Why? Because they saw hope in a Joe Biden. And that's how he ended up there, right? Not to forget, he should never, right? But this is, this is um, when you talk about systems and systemic things happening in our culture and in our society, that's systemic for Black people. We vote on the side of right or the side of justice for all and whatever that means, what that means are certainly some of the things that you just outlined, uh, Ben, when you're talking about union rights, or the right to organize. I got to stand up for that because that's who I work for proudly. I hit the floor every day for our members, every day, because they deserve the rights that a good voting and election process should bring to bear, right? Um, good schools. Uh, education for our kids that are equal to what kids are getting in other zip codes, healthcare that what other people are getting in other zip codes. We deserve all of these things. And, and so when black people vote, I'm not speaking for all black people, but I, I think I'm pretty confident in saying that the majority of black people who vote liberal, who vote Democratic who vote their conscience will vote for people who will stand in the gap for them. 
Well, you know, uh, that last point you made is a good one. And I'm going to direct this tough question to uh, Pastor Fleshman, see uh, how he handles it. Uh, Not all black people vote the same way. And a day doesn't pass, Pastor Mm -hmm. Fleshman, when I don't get an email from Mm -hmm. Senator Tim Scott, a black man who is Mm -hmm. a senator from South Carolina Mm -hmm. and a congressman that I don't know if you've heard of, Burgess Owens, who's Mm -hmm. a congressman from Utah. And they're black men. They're black MAGA people. They love yeah. Trump and they love the Republican Party and they're members of the Republican Party. And what they tell me, Pastor Fleshman, it's like jujitsu. They flip it. They say it's racist to say that voting laws that require people to get an ID are anti-black because that presumes that black people don't have IDs. So people like me who say they're opposed to the laws uh, that Georgia has imposed, that Texas is trying to impose, that Michigan has imposed, that Wisconsin has imposed. People like me are the racist. Mm -hmm. And people like you, Pastor Fleshman, are, I don't know if you can be a racist, but you're kind of a racist ally. This is the flip flop. I'm just telling you what I get every day from Mm -hmm. Tim Scott. Mm -hmm who's a senator from South Carolina, a black man. Burgess Owens, who's a congressman from Utah, a black man. What's your response, Pastor? I know you've heard, you've had to have heard these same arguments. I can't be the only one getting these emails. What's your response when you hear arguments like this? Go ahead, Pastor. I think that that's, uh, I think that that's blatant discrimination. Uh, uh, I think that, um, wow, that, that is, that is crazy. I think that being, I, I think that when, Mm, how could I even really, really explain it here? Help me out, Jackie. Let me get this thought together. I, I want to say, um, mm, okay, I'll, I'll say it. I'm just going to say it the way I want to say it. All right, Ben. That's the way you want to say it. Okay, I'm going to say it the way I want to say it. In order to be a racist, you must first find, you must first think that you're superior. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and unfortunately, a lot of laws and legislation do not allow black people to feel that way. We feel a little bit inferior. And so they can flip it and say however they want. They can call us uh, whatever whatever they want to call us. But I'll tell you what, mm. I, I'm going to, I, I'll get behind. What did you say they call you, Ben? They call you a what? <laughs> they call me a, uh, uh, what, what is, what is uh, uh, Tim Scott and Burgess Owens call me? Yeah. They, uh-huh. They'll say I'm a racist and they'll, they'll say you're my allies okay yeah okay uh, that's what i was thinking and, and, yeah. and i'll be a racist ally if that's what it takes <laughs> in, in, in order in order to to promote what is right and to empower black people i feel like being now is the most opportune time for any person of color to begin to move forward as an individual and collectively if we're going to do anything right now is the time for black america uh to reestablish to renew, to really, really be empowered and to move forward. And they can call us whatever. And they can, they can try and flip it and, and, and they can, um, you know, make it appear to be uh, deceitful and all of those things. They can say what they want. But, but now is the time for Black America to really uh, be awakened and to understand that I vote like uh, 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 John said, Lou, I mean, Mr. Lewis said, uh, our vote is precious and it's sacred. And, and we can't allow anybody uh, to 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 mess with or stop us from voting, we got to start getting out, irregardless of what anybody says or what what they do. 
I, I really don't care what they think, but I will be a racist ally because we need to move forward. Mm-hmm. Jackie, Can your I thoughts? just add something on that? Uh, um, so, you know, people say or have the, the notion that, oh, well, yeah, that's a Southern thing. And, you know, Southern states are trying to block people from voting. That is not true. Don't, that is not true. There is suppression, forms of suppression here in Illinois that people don't talk about. So voting suppression is real. It's a fact. It's a real thing. And what you got to do is, is pay attention to how it shows up for you or in your neighborhood or in your community or in your newspaper or wherever you're getting your information from. Just pay attention, pay attention. Mm. And if you don't feel suppressed yourself directly, know that there are people who are. And so for me, it's voter suppression anywhere is not uh, something that we can allow on our our watch. Going back to what Pastor Fleshman is saying, can't allow it on our watch. Mm. We have got to be, we have got to be those that really stand up like we're doing on May 8th. And if I would, I want to give a little bit about May 8th and ha- as it relates to Chicago. So we're going to have Chicago is one of those 106 cities, um, proud to say, and we're going to uh, have motorcades leaving from four locations. On that. There will be a motorcade that leads from Rainbow Push that I would suspect that Reverend Jackson is going to be leading. Um, there will be a motorcade leading, leaving from Malcolm X College. There will be a motorcade leaving from um, the North Side uh, Diversity Avenue. I have to give you that exact address, Ben. Mm-hmm. I'll look it up while we're still on. And then there's a motorcade leaving from 83rd and Stony. And so all of those uh, processions will will converge or end up at 31st Street. Uh, and Lakeshore Drive in mm. West Southwest parking lot. And there we'll have a program as well. We won't have the Voter Village um, as they're going to have in Dalton, but we will have a program and um, we'll have folks gathering. We expect to have at least um, 175 to 200 cars there because we're doing ours more kind of similar to what uh, President Biden did, mm-hmm. like a drive-in kind of thing. Um, yeah, so that'll I be. See Martha's there. Yes, Martha Shockey, uh, uh will uh, has joined us from Georgia. We bring him in from all over the country in the Ben Jarofsky yes. show. Uh, so we're going to bring Martha on a little bit, take the deep dive on uh, the specifics of how uh, these new laws are affecting voting voting rights uh, in Georgia, how it's a move maneuvered by Republicans to snatch back the power they lost at the polls to undo the damage as they see it uh, from the 2020 election. Uh, so uh, it's it's good to see that folks in Chicago uh, are not just leaving this fight, uh, Jackie Algie, to the Martha Shockeys of the world and the no. people who live in Georgia and Atlanta. Uh, that it is a, a, a unified effort. Uh, I want to thank you, Jackie and William. Uh, pastor uh, for coming on the show jackie if you would just send me whatever information you have i'll make a point of uh passing it on every opportunity i get all right i will thank you so much we appreciate you thank you
All right. Uh, Please thank come you and me. join us on May 8th, whether you be here in the city or in Dalton. Come join us. Very good. That's Jackie Algy and uh, Pastor Fleshman. When we return, we'll have Martha Shockey uh, for the last uh, two months, ladies and gentlemen. I've been thinking about the state of Georgia. You know, I haven't been thinking about Georgia politics in years. And it's all of a sudden, absolutely crystallized. Uh, of course, it, uh, because the state of the uh, Senate uh, hinged on who would win the special elections in Georgia in January. So, <clears throat> like uh, lefties all across the country, I turned my attention to Georgia and I haven't stopped paying attention since. Uh, because uh, the Georgia Republicans have made an effort to undo, as I said earlier, what they considered the damage of January's election. Uh, with me to talk about it is Indivisible's own Martha Shockey, who lives in Georgia and has lived in Georgia uh, for most of your life. Is that, that correct, Martha? Did I get That's that right? Correct. I spent a little bit of time in Japan, but then I came back to Georgia. All right. So why don't before we get into the specifics of what's happening uh, right now with the legislation in Georgia and the impact it will have on uh, politics uh, in your home state, just talk a little bit about the politics of the state of Georgia as you've experienced it in your life. Sort of the development and the evolution of the Democratic Party from what it was when you were a, a little kid to what it's like now. You and I are roughly the same age. Yeah. Uh, so we've seen a few things, Martha. And uh, conversely, the evolution or the transformations of the Republican Party. Talk about Georgia then, Georgia now. Go ahead. So, yeah, Georgia, when I was growing up, was definitely, um, you know, still a Jim Crow state. I remember very well, um, you know, as a young child, um, White only signs, um, no colored people signs. But after the civil rights movement and during the civil rights movement, after the civil rights movement, things began to change. And um, Georgia kind of moved into a place of, um, you know, let's just pretend none of this is going on. <laughs> you know, we're all good. We all get along just fine, don't we? Uh, well, that was not, of course, the case until um, desegregation happened. And then um, there were several tense years here, of course, uh, as schools began to desegregate and um, the power maps began to change. And, um, you know, we had, we were still a Democratic-led state, although, um, you know, certainly not as uh, progressive as our Democrats are now, but they, they had made some progress. And then um, we had Jimmy Carter as our governor uh, when I was growing up. So I knew a lot of people, actually, who were Democrats. Um, it wasn't a dirty word, for sure, Um but I also lived uh, near Fort Benning. So there was, you know, it was an international community um, that if you went further out into the boonies, then it was a different ballgame. Mm -hmm. And black people certainly had different experiences out there in terms of voter suppression. Um, you know, there are just thousands of stories about various things that happened to people as they tried to, uh, claim their right to vote. And it's still happening out there. You know, it didn't end. Didn't I had a, just listening to what you were talking about, reminiscing about uh, the early days in the 60s when you were a kid. And I, 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 I grew up, I've raised, been raised in the north, Rhode Island, uh, Illinois. So I hadn't experienced that just 
blatant segregation, you know, colored only, white only signs, that kind of thing that you were just alluding to. If you could help us out a little bit, how does that impact you? Like you're a kid growing up, you're a white girl uh, in Georgia in the 60s, and you see these signs and you see blatant segregation. I think it was Lester Maddox was your lieutenant governor. Uh, who who ran a restaurant. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not making this up. You can look it up in a history book. He had a pickaxe. That's how he's going to keep black people out of his restaurant with a pickaxe. And so it's like, how how does it like work in your brain? Like, how is your brain absorbing that, that, that information, that raw segregation and processing it? You know, I think it depends on the family that you grow up in about how you experience it and how you um build a story with it. Uh, My family was never okay with it. My mother was a civil servant. And so she worked with diverse people. And so that was, you know, those um, epithets were never allowed in our house. Um, We had friends who worked at the base who were um, from different cultures. There were Afro-Puerto Ricans, Afro, um, you know, Gosh, Caribbean folks who were stationed at the base. So, it, but it was really interesting because it was this dichotomy of, you know, those children were allowed at my school, but African Americans weren't allowed at the school. It was really bizarre. And I've talked to other people who lived around bases and they experienced the same thing. Um, you know, when it, and we, you know, certainly had conversations with family members who didn't agree with us. Um, so for me, it was just something that I never fully understood. Um, and it was, um, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a battle, you know, to people would use the N word and I would just say, you know, don't use that in front of me. And, um, but it was, it was just a, a different place. I didn't grow up in the deep, deep South. So I can't really speak further to that and, but it's, it's mind-boggling to me, you know, I grew up here. But then, you know, one of the things that I would say is that, you know, we didn't have a corner on racism. And I think we're seeing that now um, with all of the issues in uh, Minnesota, uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, with police killing uh, black people. Uh, Colorado. Um, So white supremacy may have had deep roots here, but we were not alone in that. And I think that that is something that we have to grapple with as a nation is that it's really easy to point at the Southeast, you know, as being the problem child. Um, But when you do that, you know, you have fingers pointing back at yourself and you have to look at the racism and um, that is systemic to your own area. There's plenty of it. Um, I went to a anti-racism conference when I was in college in Boston, um, and they were desegregating there. And it was it was truly frightening to me. <laughs> I had never I'd actually never seen that kind of violence, um, that widespread violence. They were they came after our bus, and um, it was it was really quite jarring mm-hmm. to see that they came after your bus. Did you say? Did I hear you correctly? Yeah, yeah. We pulled up on a bus at BU, and um, there were some folks out there who were counter protesting the conference, and they came after the bus. 
when was this? 73, 74. Uh, the glory years of Boston and integration in quotes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll stay yeah. away from the busing fight in Boston and we'll keep it in Georgia. Uh, all right, uh, Martha. So I'm speaking for many uh, Illinoisans, whatever we're called, Chicagoans, uh, when I say that Georgia really burst into our consciousness. Uh, first of all, in November, when you had that uh, nip and tuck battle uh, to see which way the state was going to go and it went for uh, Joe Biden. I remember the jubilation of people in Chicago, Democrats in Chicago, lefties in Chicago, when uh, the, 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 we were watching those numbers. And at first, Trump was ahead, but here comes Joe Biden. Old man Joe, he's catching him up to him. And the Trump people are crying like little babies. Oh, the vote, it's late. Uh. You were such babies, Republicans. Anyway, uh, and so, um, and then of course uh, the uh, the backlash uh, after, and then January's uh, the special Senate races. Uh, then the backlash to undo uh, what happened. Let's start first before we get to the backlash. Talk about what were the positive steps that uh, that the leaders in uh, Georgia made. Uh, between 2018, when it was a very disappointing gubernatorial election, as you must know, Martha, because you lived through it, to 2020, uh, when Biden beat Trump, and then in 2021, when the Dems won the two Senate seats. What were the positive changes that took place? Go ahead. Well, I can speak to what we did to get there. Um, we never stopped organizing, you know, um, and... I would say the other thing that happened is that for the first time in decades, um, Georgia was on the mind of many, many people, and people began to invest in Georgia again. Uh, we were really left on the vine to just dry out uh, for years and years and years. We had no investment whatsoever. Um, people that I had organized, for example, when I was a young activist, moved. I mean, that nobody could get work uh, as a paid uh, organizer here. So people left. Um, and then our, our campaigns, our statewide campaigns, were just you know, very um, weak. You know, they just, they, they didn't go very deep and they were very um, centrist and uh, pandered and um, really did not speak to the issues that were important to people. The other thing I'll say, um, you know, and this is a family conversation, said so the Democrats really ignored Georgia, you know, the national organizing committees. Um, and they um, they disvalued their relationship with black voters here. Um, they did not keep their promises. Uh, they did not um, come down and court the black vote, and they didn't deliver. They didn't deliver. So what happened between 2018 and 2020 is that Stacey Abrams showed that we could, in fact, really... Um, build up our base of um, voters and people to do the work. And finally, people began to invest in our institutions here and in people. So in 2020, I would say that just 
an amazing amount of money came into our state and we were able to hire local organizers, young organizers. And that's an investment. You know, that's an investment for the future. Um, and, And it was really inspiring. It gave us a lot of hope. Um, you know, we knew that it was it was going to be tight, but we had our numbers and we could see where we could win. And so that is really what pushed us forward. Um, and we had great candidates. I mean, you know, we had really good candidates. So that speaks to um, the bench that we're building here, I would say. We didn't have a bench here. You know, when we first started doing this work in 2017 as Indivisible, um, we had the highest number of uncontested seats in the country. Mm. And that was just, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was ridiculous. And we didn't have an organizing apparatus um, to help build that bench. And now we do. Mm-hmm. And we're training um, people to run for, County commission and city councils and all those things, the school board. Um, so we've really come a long way in those few years. But again, it comes back to the investment. I mean, you can't just, you can't live on air. You've got to have a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people have been um, really generous with us and we couldn't have done it without outside um, investment um, because we're really fighting dark money here. I mean, the dark money has, I always say our voters, Georgia voters have been worked on by experts. Um, if you look at where this money is coming from on the on the dark side of things, um, ALEC invests heavily here. And our state politicians are members of the ALEC um, committees, you know, that are pushing out these bills that so obviously blatantly are coming out of their bill mills, Hmm. you know? Um, So, and that's where these voter suppression bills came from and the anti-trans student bills and um, other just insane, insane um, proposals. Hmm. Uh, So we're, you know, it it feels like a 24 seven fight here. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we feel like we're really drinking from the fire hose and say that all the time because the onslaught is is pretty amazing. And we saw that in 2020 during the presidential election and then into the runoff, the onslaught of hideous mailings that people received. I live in a very diverse neighborhood and I received some mailings um, from the Republicans that were really, really going after the black vote. I mean, they were just disinformation um, out and out lying uh, claims that they had done things that actually the Democrats had done. I mean, just really pushing the envelope there. So they were investing heavily in every media that they could get a hold of. We, we uh, explain that a little bit. You said there was uh, hideous uh, uh, mailings that made claims that were uh, unsubstantiated what were some of the claims that they made in these mailings um, there was one that i received um had a photograph of a middle class 
you know, black family, dad had on his Oxford shirt. They're in a nice, you know, very expensive house. And, and they're talking about how Senator Perdue had um, done so much to protect health care in Georgia. Well, he did. David Perdue. <laughs> he did nothing. I mean, we went to his office and asked <laughs> about his plan. You know, he kept saying, oh, we want the ADA to go away. I'm like, okay, um, let's, what, what about it? What's your plan? And um, they're like, mm, we'll get back to you on that because they didn't have, the staff didn't have an answer. They never had an answer. Never so, okay, that's, uh, that's I, I thought you were going in a different direction. See what there's there's several tactics uh, that the Republicans yeah. will employ. Uh, one is to scare white people uh, with frightening images of black people. That's one a tactic they employ. Uh, and then the other is to make grandiose claims, which are so fictitious. We all know, this is me speaking, not Martha, so I don't want to put words in her mouth. We all know the Republicans have done absolutely nothing on health care. Nothing. Come on, America, you know that, <laughs> you know, except to try to kill the little diluted thing that Obama got passed, which I got to give him credit, Martha, how he got that through Congress. When I think about it, it was pretty amazing, but it's, it's, it's no Bernie plan. And all yep. they did was try to kill it. Now that's hilarious. David Perdue, that's who that Martha's alluding to. Yeah. <laughs> the former Republican Senator from Georgia, man, yep. they must think the voters are pretty stupid. That's all I got to say, Martha. They have a low estimation of Georgia voters. They do. They do. And, but that, you know, they were really desperate at that point. And, and I'll tell you what I think happened is that they were, I, I think they didn't invest as heavily in the presidential as they might have mm. because they thought they had it sewed up, you know, and that's why they're so mad. Yo. I, I mean, they're Donald just Trump. Um, my friend Paul. Wanda Mosley at uh, Black Voters Matter says, oh, says they big mad. <laughs> they are big mad. <laughs> they just they are not happy. They just they got they got the they got taken, you know, they got taken. All right. So uh, in the aftermath of the presidential election, uh, President Donald John Trump uh, called uh, the officials, Republican uh, uh, election officials in the state uh, in the state of Georgia had him on the phone and essentially said, "I'm doing this from memory. Just find me the eleven thousand whatever it is votes that I need to win. Find them for me." <laughs> These freaking Republicans. So, to their credit, and the bar is low. Whenever I give credit to a Republican, Martha Shockey, I mean the bar is low. But nonetheless, to their credit, they withstood that pressure from the president of the United States to freaking cheat, to literally put their hands into the ballot box, extract a bunch of Democratic votes and throw them away. That's what Donald John Trump asked them to do. MAGA's like, oh, it makes sense to me. So, all right. So they, they found these Republicans who had enough guts to stand up to the president when he said blatantly cheat and face, by the way, like federal prison <laughs> terms and doing it. Uh, so they couldn't steal the election that way. So they came up with a new strategy. We'll pass laws intended to uh, undo the damage, in quotes, of losing at the ballot box. Instead of, I don't know, just like saying this, David Perdue, coming up with your own legitimate health care plan. Just saying that may, that may help you a little bit. Uh, Martha Shockey, talk about the law that went down that was passed uh, last month uh, in Georgia and the impact it may have on Georgia politics. 
Well, the law is, um, it's very complicated and we're still parsing out, you know, small pieces of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it essentially takes away local control over, um, over their board of elections. And so many counties are really not happy about this because, of course, they want to control their own election board. And it's an unfunded mandate um, because of the, the amount of cost that will be passed along to counties uh, to implement the law locally. Um, so that's one thing. And, and it's really dangerous. So if... So let's say Trump calls and says, find me the 11,000 votes and the um, state board of elections um, goes into a county and they think, you know, we don't like the way this looks. We're going to take this over and count the ballots ourselves. Mm -hmm. Then they could overturn an election. And that is really what this is all about. There are all these other little things that they threw in there to try to, um, you know, I think assuage his um, irritation about mail-in ballots. I mean, Republicans use mail-in ballots as much more than Democrats do. Democrats like to go to the polling place and vote. Um, And for African-Americans, it's really important to be able to go to the polls and vote. Um, because so, for so many years they couldn't exercise that right. And so it's a celebratory thing for many communities. But the absentee ballots were used because of the pandemic. I mean, we really worked hard to, to keep people safe and to keep poll workers safe. Um, so that's, to me, that's the biggest issue with this entire thing. Um I mean, we had, in my county, for example, we were really very contested. Um, you know, the only Democrat, fully Democratic county, I think, in the state. Um, so, of course, they were after us. And it was just, you know, my friends who were, who were poll workers were there. And, you know, they were counting and there were all these crazy people coming in you know, wanting to know what they were throwing away. You're throwing away votes. <laughs> so the the big, um, that's the big thing. They're going to, um, you can still request an absentee ballot, but you have a shorter period of time between being able to request it and receiving it. Mm-hmm. So it used to be 180 days prior to election day. And now it's 78 days. Um, And you have to mail in your ballot between 25 and 29 days before the election. It used to be 45 to 49. Um, Well, given the way the post office is set up now, that's a big, you know, that's a big deal. Um, You may not get your absentee ballot in time. And if you're in South Georgia, your mail goes through Tallahassee in Florida because there are no major hubs down there. I mean, it's really, you know, it's, it's very rural and they don't have those big hubs. Mm-hmm. So 
2018, we think one of the things that happened um, is that South Georgia was hit by a major hurricane. And so a lot of the absentee ballots were stuck in Tallahassee. And they came after the election was ended. So that was one thing. And that was not lost on them. You know, that was not lost on them. That's a lesson that they learned. They being um, the Republicans. The Republicans, yeah. See, I just want to say right now, uh, I have never accused Republicans of being dumb. I'm just, just piggybacking what Martha said. I never said you were dumb, Republicans. I said you were evil. I said you were conniving. I said you were diabolical. I said you were hypocrites. And I'm just going to address this one point. Because, Martha, the key to that vote, uh, that law that the Republicans pass, in my humble opinion, doesn't have to do with the water bottles, though we've talked about them a lot on our show, doesn't really even have to do with the voter IDs. It has to do with what you just uh, illuminated. And thank you for doing that. And that is giving the Republicans at a state level control over local jurisdictions. And I, so the next time Donald John Trump calls his boy down in Georgia, oh boy, will do as told and throw out democratic votes. That's what it's all about. And I just want to say this, Martha, get your response. We just had Jackie Algie and pastor uh, Fleshman on talking about the need for the John Lewis uh, act to be passed that would certify voting rights across the country again after they were gutted uh, by the decision by the Supreme Court, heck of a job, Supreme Court in 2013 in the Holder uh, Shelby County case. And Republicans, Ben, you can't do that. What about state rights, Ben? What about state rights? And I'm like, you guys are such freaking hypocrites. You talk about standing up to an overwhelming power when it suits your purposes, but when it doesn't suit your purposes, open window, throw out local rights, give a state control Republicans the the authority over DeKalb County or Cobb County or what have you. Martha, I'm putting it out there. Get your reaction. I think they're, they're tactical. There's nothing resembling a principle in the Republican Party, and it's all tactics designed to win the next election, and you are facing that right now in Georgia. Do you agree with me? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing that it does that they're not talking about, I mean, they, they don't ever look at it for at long-term consequences, right? It's all about expediency. And so they're going for this right now because this is this is the problem that they have right now. And because Trump is pressuring them. You know, if you think he wasn't on every single one of their voicemails the next day, you know, telling them, you know, screaming and carrying on, then I, I, I don't believe it. I'm sure he was. No doubt in my mind, because they were and they were acting crazy at the state house. They were as absolutely acting crazy. They were just throwing bills out there without talking to anybody else, and they were all mad at each other. They were a big mess. Um, and a lot of what they proposed didn't pass because people were just like that. There's no way we can do that. And even they didn't want to do that, right? So, but but what they're they're not thinking about. And these long-term consequences is it also sets them up for just an incredible amount of corruption um, on their own side. So if somebody doesn't like Jimmy or Johnny's mom or daddy, 
and they run for office somewhere out in, you know, um, Lincoln County or someplace, then they can say, oh, you know, we don't think that election board did a very good job counting those votes and we're going to come in and take it over. And so they're, they're really setting it up for just this, um, a huge morass of, um, of corruption. I mean, it's just, it's going to be nasty if they keep this up. And, and some of the John Lewis act from my, my understanding will not, not all of it will solve all of our problems. But it will give us a foundation and it will give us some tools to fight the corruption that this um, this bill inculcates. So, Martha, I'm going to close with this to tell you about the impact Georgia's had on the minds, not just of lefties, but of MAGA people uh, mm-hmm. in Chicago. So the other day I was in the company of a couple of MAGA people. Yes, yes, I was in their company. And uh, I was overhearing their conversation and the subject somehow or other came up of Coca-Cola and the one MAGA man (laughs) said, I'm not making this up. Martha Shockey. This is a paraphrase of a conversation I heard between two MAGAites and the one MAGAite said to the other one, I'm not drinking Coca-Cola and the other one nodded. I'm like, God damn, this, this is profound. This struggle in Georgia, because like Mega Man got a hold of it. They get he must have gotten the message from Fox. I don't know because Coca Cola was one of the corporations that was was forced, probably kicking and screaming the whole way, to take a quote unquote stand against this blatant attempt to keep black people from having a say in who gets elected in Georgia. I mean, like talk about moving back the hands of time. So Coca-Cola took the stand and now these two MAGA guys, what a sacrifice they love. They're like, I love Coke, but I'm not drinking it. <laughs> My God. So Martha, it's not just lefties like me who look at you like, ah, Martha's a hero and Stacey Abrams is a hero, you know, and Wanda Mosley's a hero. You know what I'm saying? MAGA, they're even MAGA's painted. I, I never said they were dumb. Never said that. Okay. And they're paying it that just got a little misguided, maybe. Can you believe that, Martha? The man's not drinking Coca-Cola because Coca-Cola took a quote unquote stand on an attempt to undo everything John Lewis did when he took that stand on the bridge in Alabama back in 1965. It's amazing, Martha Shockey. Your thoughts. Yep, we hear it all the time. We hear it all the time. You know, the whole cancel culture thing. And then we have, of course, the queen of cancel culture um, opposition with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene up in northwest Georgia. Um, you know, it's it's mind boggling. Um, and, you know, certainly I've known Republicans here for decades. It's been a fairly red state. But this is a new a new iteration Mm-hmm. Um, that is, it's cult-like. It's very cult-like. And it's its really difficult to have. You can't have even a basic conversation because it, 
I mean, I don't turn them into these political conversations, but boy, they do. So it's a, it's just mind boggling. And will you stay, say Stacey Abrams name and they just go crazy. <laughs> they just go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's because she beat them. That's right. And, and, and she's and, smart. And she's smart. And let me just say this uh, to Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's a, a big listener of my show, uh, Martha Shack. She's probably listening to you right now. If you're really against cancel culture, which you say you are, then I urge you to get on national television, take a can of Coke, pop it open and say, MAGA, I'm drinking Coke because I'm against cancel culture. And if it's wrong for lefties to cancel my culture, it's wrong for you to cancel Coke. So here we go. (laughs) Can you imagine? MAGA will be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. They'll be drinking bottles of Coke. <laughs> but the, well, another front in which they are total hypocrites, Martha. They're the biggest cancel cultureites in the world, but somehow they, oh, yeah. they cry the loudest. Do you understand what I'm saying, Martha? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, Martha. Uh, before I let you go, is there anything any uh, well-intended Chicagoan can do uh, to help out in Georgia? Anything you can recommend? Go ahead. Yeah. So follow. Um, you know, every, I think everybody has access to Mobilize now. You can go on Mobilize and look up events and things that are happening um, in the state and go and sign up for a phone bank. Go and sign up for a text bank. It will be a little while before um, very many of those are happening. But as we get into the next um, season, certainly um we will have plenty of opportunities for people to engage. And we really would not have pulled off the runoff without people helping with that. Um, we had so many people helping with that, that it gave us the opportunity to be on the ground and to knock on doors. And that was an incredible help. And we're just so grateful for that. Um, once the candidates get settled in here, Please help us with donating to state candidates as well, not just um, our federal candidates, because clearly the state house matters and our state Senate matters. And um, we're going into a redistricting year. So um, it, it would be it's helpful for us to be able to say, you know, we're raising a lot of money for these candidates because it causes them to not be as extreme as they might otherwise be. It causes them to not take a vote. Uh, And we had a few Republicans who didn't take votes on various measures this uh, last session. And we haven't really seen them before, but they're aware that the wind is at their back. So they're beginning to, um, to make those choices. So I guess that's, Progress. You say they didn't take a vote. In other words, instead of voting yes for some god awful racist legislation, they just voted with present, or they went to the bathroom at that time and missed the vote, or you know, oh my god, you know, (laughs) (laughs) funny. I got a phone call. Funny how that happened. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Politicians are the same all over. They that's the same stunt in Illinois. Oh, uh, I got to meet with my uh, constituent. I missed the big vote. Oh. Uh, Anyway, Martha Shockey, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work. All right. Thanks, Chicago, for all your help. 
All right, Chicago has there are a lot of good people, uh, Lenny, uh, out there, indivisible folks uh, from Chicago uh, who did join the effort. Uh, in yeah. I like to tease a lot of my Chicago indivisible people because some of them, some of them are falling susceptible to that fair map thing, but most of them are really good people who have done outstanding work. So uh, thank you very much, Martha Shockey. Uh, also want to thank Pastor Fleshman and Jackie Algy uh, who were on the show earlier in the day, and of course the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois who rode at least 50 miles today and he joined Rahm Emanuel at one wing. And Rahm was wearing spandex. Busted. Dr. I shouldn't have shared that with you today. I knew you were going to say something on the show. Hey, Rahm was wearing, hey, hey, Dennis, Dr. D, let's go. Come on. <laughs> Up and down the lakefront they went and they did not see one person who wanted to know about Medicare. How about that? <laughs> Sorry, D. I just had to say that. <laughs> anyway, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Joe of Alton and all, without whom the show would be possible. And as Pastor Fleshman, Jackie Algie, and Martha Shockey can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more, chicagoreader.com or wherever else you download podcasts. You can find us online at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us an email, BennyJShow at gmail.com, and you can call the Ben Jarofsky Show. It's true, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Haven't got a voicemail in a while? Call the Ben Jarofsky Show right now. Leave us a voicemail. We'd love to talk to you.